Hello everyone and welcome back to Hell Frasier. Where we playing in Boss Dragons and Scrambled Egg, a tabletop RPG game created by Mike Rosenthal. Let's get right into the episode by introducing today's characters. Caleb Cleveland, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us who you will be playing. Uh, yes, my name is uh, Fraser Crane. I am a uh, radio psychologist and a graduate of the incredibly powerful and uh, illuminary uh, Princeton University. Nice. Also, I'm psychic. I have powers. Powerful powers. And let's go ahead and introduce the next player. That is Groobs. Tell us who you'll be playing and give us an introduction. Fraser's brother, Dr. Niles Crane, young specialist and Seattle socialite. And Damien, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us who you'll be playing. I'll be playing Daphne Boone. I am the personal physical therapist to Martin Crane, and I'm still psychic. Not like Dr. Crane, I'm an actual psychic. I believe in astrology. Jesse Egan, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us who you will be playing. I play Martin Crane, retired Seattle police officer. I, uh, I've also got a dog named Eddie, and uh, neither of us like to run. Why can't you guys run? I can't run because I was shot by a punk in a convenience store. There were other circumstances, <laughs> but my memory is also shot. <laughs> <laughs> and Eddie just is lazy. I'm sure that won't come up later at all. Lauren, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us who you'll be playing. I will be playing Roz Doyle, a uh, Frasier's man-hungry or dick-hungry <laughs> radio producer. Extraordinaire. I've never heard of someone hungering for dicks before, but I, I can't wait to see what you do with it. Well, this is Hell Frasier, so uh, nothing's off the table. Roz is ready to feast. I've seen your phone number written in stalls and bathrooms rolls. <laughs> <laughs> and joining us today is Clint Beicher. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us who you will be playing? I'm going to be playing Bulldog Briscoe here. Frazier's better looking, more handsome, more talented colleague and sports talk show host. And, you know, I, I'm just going to be just probably saving everybody's asses. That's what I do. Wow, you're better looking and more handsome. Both of those. Wow. Who would have thought? Hey, buddy, why don't you take your two IQ points and rub them together and see if you can set a fire? Get out of here. <laughs> uh, fair enough. But in order for us to get into this venture, I need to know what god you worship. We've gotten them from everybody else, either Freudian, Jungian, or Behaviorist. Which one is Bulldog going under? Well, I know Frasier likes uh, one of them, and the other <laughs> dorky brother likes the other one. So I'm going to go with the one they don't like, the, uh, what's the other one? Behaviorist, yeah. I got some behavior for you. Now that's some good foley work. <laughs> is this that ghastly band from your work, Roz, who's always hitting on you? Oh, she likes it. <laughs> Is that true, Ross? No, stay away from me, Bulldog. Oh, don't let her fool you. She can't wait to get a piece of this Bulldog. Go lift your legs somewhere else. I like to think that every time Epic. Bulldog barks, that Eddie responds with more barking. <laughs> the episode ends with just a cascade of them talking to each other. Just, just nonstop foley. 
Well, with that sexual harassment and barking going on, let's get into the recap from last episode. On our last episode, Fraser hosted a dinner party as residence for Seattle Arts Board's member Carl Rhino Privilegington and his wife Allison Privilegington, who Niles had a previous romantic encounter with. Fraser and Niles were hoping to impress Rhino and Allison in order to secure votes for them to become part of the Seattle Arts Board. The dinner was not without its complications. Prior to the dinner party, Fraser had some plumbing problems, and a mass plumber needed to be called to deal with them. Eventually, after the plumber arrived, he was discovered Fraser's pipes were infested with imps that appeared to be coming from portals from inside the pipes. He also discovered Roz's pipes needed to be cleaned and assisted her with in that process. Oh. <laughs> oh dear. Also prior to the dinner, Fraser insulted the chef he had hired to cook the meal with the foul odor coming from his jacket. The chef left and the group was forced to finish dinner on their own with great success. During the party, Fraser's agent BB Glazer arrives seeking assistance with her smoking additions, or Fraser's fiance and his boss, Big Willie Boone, <laughs> would break up <laughs> and possibly end Fraser's career. In classic Big Willie style. <laughs> Martin was able to stop BB from smoking, but her addiction wasn't kicked until threatened with violence from Ross after she stole Martin's cane and left him lying on the ground. Once Rhino and Allison arrived, the party was able to salvage a dinner with clever tactics to get rid of their imp problem. The gang attempted to figure out the source of the imp problem and believed the source was Allison due to her extended stay in the bathroom during all the events. Rhino took offense to this and defended his wife and, and her honor, uh, and re also revealing he knew the shocking truth that Niles had kissed Allison when he'd been out of town. The gang was successful in taking down Rhino, but not before he gave Frazier his word to assist him with getting his radio show syndicated. Roz picked up Rhino's blunderbuss after the fight, um, which gave her hidden magical powers that Roz knows, and we'll see if she'll use them this episode. And that's where this story will begin. In the weeks following, due to your assistance with saving BB from her crippling smoking addiction, Bibi has convinced her fiancé, Big Willie Boone, to arrange a meeting of all the heads of the other radio stations in Sostagaria to attempt to get Frazier's radio show syndicated on the Arcane Airwaves. <laughs> the radio station heads were resistant at first, but due to the party freeing Allison up from her duties of being Rhino's wife and her deciding to keep Rhino's final words true, she decided to use her financial influences and sexual prowess to help Frazier get his radio show syndicated. Tonight is the night of the big show. The heads of the other radio stations from all around Sostagaria have traveled to the illustrious town of Seattle inside of Duke's Court to hear a live broadcast of the show. They will either give their stamp of approval for the syndication or their utter dismissal of it for the show never to be heard on their airwaves in the future. If successful, this will be a huge boost to Frazier and Roz's reputation in their career. For Niles, this is a good chance to increase his reputation and hopefully lock in additional votes needed to join the Seattle Arts Board. For Bulldog and the rest of the hosts of the radio station know that this will be a definite boost to the station, their numbers, and will surely lead to a pay increase. We join Frazier, 
Niles, Daphne, Martin, Eddie, Roz, and Bulldog at the Arcane Radio Station KACL Seattle 780, either there for work or to watch Frazier's big show and hopefully join him in a congratulatory party afterwards. Frazier and the rest of the gang are engaged in casual conversation before the show begins. Frazier, Roz, and Bulldog all know Big Willie will soon be coming up the arcane elevator with the heads of the other radio stations. And with that, what is this casual conversation that everyone is having while waiting for Big Willie to arrive? Well, good luck to you, Roz and Dr. Crane, Frasier. We're so excited for you. Thank you for inviting your father and myself to be part of this. We'll try to stay out of your way. And I'll do our best to keep Eddie from ruining the evening as well. No promises. Daphne, appreciate it. Thanks, Dad. I really appreciate it as well. My, this uh, martini is uh, very, very tasty. But uh, I must tell you that uh, the only thing I'm really worried about is having Roz control herself once Big Willie gets up the uh, gets up the escalator. Uh, what, what, what's that supposed to mean? Well, you know, Roz can't be trusted around Big Willies. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I never had a problem around Bulldog. <laughs> oh, you you just wait and see. Someday. Hey, anyways, Frazier, uh, let me, can I get a word with you? Absolutely, my good man. Let, uh, let's, uh, I will, uh, take you aside and we will, we will have a yarn. Well, I, I just, I just wanted to say, uh, you know, don't fuck this up. Like, the, like you usually do. <laughs> you know, I, it's you, but come on. Bulldog. This means a lot, so. Listen, you may know a lot about the Seahawks. You may know a lot about the Supersonics. But when it comes to wowing and uh, whining and dining potential uh, people who could uh, push this radio station into the upper stratus of Sastagaria, <laughs> you're talking to Dr. Fraser Crane. There's nothing that I can do that would sabotage the ability of this radio station to become even more powerful than it is already. KACL 780 Seattle. Sorry, Sastagaria. Man, you talk a lot. Maybe think about talking a little bit less, and maybe you won't ruin things. That's all I'm saying, all right? As you were, Bulldog, as you were. And with that, we hear the arcane elevator ding. It seems that someone is arriving on this floor. Positions, everyone. As you guys hear the ding of the elevator and turn around, you can see there in front of you is Big Willie Boone. Behind him are four other subjects... One of them is an elven female with long red hair with looks that could kill. The other is an older-looking dwarf with a monocle and a medallion of a lion on his, on his chest. The other is a short, fat gnome. Uh, he looks like a ball with arms and legs. He's uh, wearing a long purple robe. And the final subject is a large orc gentleman who's wearing a tuxedo that's missing the sleeves and a top hat. I think the short one looks adorable. With that, Big Willie Boone exits the elevator. Well, howdy there, Frazier. How you how you doing? You ready for the big show? Big Willie. Well, of course I am. I I was uh, I was made ready for this. I was born ready. By the power of Jung, I am ready. Well, we got a lot of money riding on this. All right, buddy. So I expect you to protect my investments and keep me my bank accounts full, and I'll take care of you on the back end. Not to worry, Big Willie. Every penny of your sizable bank account is safe in the capable hands of Dr. Fraser Crane. 
That's uh, KACL 780 Sastagaria. That's great to hear. I can't wait to to see more of uh, this, this great show that I, that I decided to put on the air personally and keep funding for all these many years. So which one of you is Big Willy Boone? Uh, that would be me, la- my lady. What, what is your name? Uh, Daphne does that comical, like, looks around for somebody big, like, does a double take, puts her hand above her head. Oh, I say it's, it's a bit of a joke in your name. Oh, my name is Daphne Moon. Lovely to meet you. Can I pinch your cheeks? Immediately, like, Fraser, like, uh, like, slices right in between them, like a slice of, <laughs> like, a, uh, like a piece of paper. And it's like, I'm very sorry. This is my, uh, personal, my, my father's, uh, personal uh, physiotherapist. Her name is Daphne. She's from Scotland. She doesn't speak the language very well. I reckon I can tell that by uh, her non-cordial uh, introduction there. Uh, Daphne Moon, why don't you go ahead and give me a social check uh, to see okay. how much reputation you're going to lose from your <laughs> little contest you had going there. Contest. <laughs> Let's say the contest of challenging the DM and his NPC. <laughs> oh, well then. In that case. <laughs> <laughs> so, you rolled a seven. Yes, you lose one reputation. Uh, at the end of the last episode, you guys are at 52. So this will only bring you down to 51. You guys are still in neutral territory as far as the reputation goes. Reputation's like a group score, right? Uh, yes, it, it goes for the entire group. And once you guys hit a certain rank, you guys lose one to all your rolls. If it keeps going down, you lose... Minus two, and the more reputation you have, you can add to your roll, so you get an extra one or an extra two. Well, I I don't take any any illness towards your words. I'm a little put off by it, young lady, but uh, I can see you were just speaking from the heart, and I can appreciate that. I'm sorry. Dr. Crane says I'm simple. <laughs> Not Niles. Niles would never say such a thing. It's just, uh, it's all the haggis. Uh, that, that's a hell of a thing for you to say to a woman there, Dr. Crane. <laughs> no, I meant, I meant simply No, 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 gorgeous. no. I, I simply, uh, yeah, simply delightful. Simply delightful. That's what actually I said. Uh, yes. Because uh, yes. she actually is. Isn't that right, Daphne? Yes, I am delightful. Oh, and I think I need to leave this conversation. Or oh, I think I need to use the restroom. I'll be gone. Bye. Well, shall I uh, introduce you to the other Arcane Airwaves uh, radio station executives here? Oh, please do. We'd, I'd like nothing more than to meet our various and sundry uh, owners. He first walks you over to the elven female. Uh, this is uh, Eris uh, Ravenrook. Enchanté. Yes, pleasure to meet you, Dr. Crane. I have wonderful things. Uh, she leans forward and whispers close in, into your ear. You know, for the right price, I could have you just in our city alone. I could just take you away from all this dreadful human business, and you could assist us elves in solving all our issues. We, uh, we have a lot going on, and I'd like to procure you for double, perhaps even triple, the pay that you're getting now. I'm listening. He said the line (laughs) Well, we'll have to wait for all these other executives to be done But if I, uh If I can, you can keep an open ear for me after the show Perhaps we can make a special arrangement For me to lock you down just for the elven airways 
Well, locking people down might be more Ross's department, but uh, I'm definitely intrigued uh, about your offer. But uh, we'll we'll just have to uh, we'll have to wait and see, shall we? Uh, after all, uh, KCA. KACL 780 Sastagaria has treated me extremely well. So if uh, if there, but if there is a possibility of uh, shall we say uh, upward advancement, I am all ears. Great to hear. Can't wait to talk to you again. Lovely, lovely. Thank you. Big Willie then pulls you a little bit over to the side and introduces you to the dwarven gentleman. This is a uh, Scrank Longbeard. Host of the Dwarven Arcane Airwaves. Ah, pleasure to meet you, Dr. Crane. Heard nothing but good words. Uh, better be putting on a good show. Need you to bring something good back to my people. Uh, can't be bringing measly shite shows back to them. They'll uh, throw me out of the entire, the entire place. Well, uh, not to worry. Uh, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. Skankbeard... Uh, we are absolutely not going to give you any sort of uh, shite show. We are 100% a professional psychoanalyst and uh, uh, personal assistance show. We, uh, the, the shite show might be a different radio station. Well, you can't even get to my fucking name right. It's Scrank Longbeard. So, uh... I beg your pardon, that's what I thought I said. Uh, I'm thinking a little bit less of your show now. I think it's not worth the dwarven time, but I'll I'll give it one final listen. Skrank, don't blame my son. He's dyslexic, Skrank. I beg your pardon, I am not He sounds not like an idiot to me. Hey, 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 uh, Skrank, you know, uh, I agree. Frazier sounds like an idiot to me, but... A lot of people like to listen to him, so don't write him off just because he's an idiot to like people like you and I. You know, we we get it, we get it, you know. But, but there's other people that listen to him. You know, he's one of those guys that yeah, you you get it. Yeah, lots of idiots love him. And Bulldog knows his idiots. <laughs> That's why I'm giving him this uh, this this listen and giving him this one chance. Well, I I won't let you down, Mister Mister uh, Mister. Oh damn! Longbeard. Uh, Scrag Longbeard. What I just said. Yes, that. With that, Big Willie quickly pulls you to the side and brings you over to the overweight gnome. This is a tin tap bimbo. He's uh, the representative from the gnome population who will uh, put you on his arcane airways. Hello, how are you doing, sir? It's a pleasure to meet you. Uh, Fraser's eyes widen as he looks at. Uh, uh, Tintap's uh, fantastically uh, round form. He's like, oh my. Um, it's a <clears throat> it's a pleasure pleasure to meet you, Mister Tintap. I, uh, I I've heard amazing things. Uh, I've uh, I've I've heard uh, all sorts of amazing things around town. Oh, damn uh, about you. Uh, you're uh, that you're an absolute ball to have a. Oh damn! I, I meant uh, you're you're in. <laughs> You're just, uh, just, just, just a whole big bouncy ball of fun. Damn it! Uh, I mean, you are incredibly <sighs> round. 
All right, all right, all right. Where's the food around this place? I need to get my stomach filled up here before listening to this show. Oh, absolutely. There's a, a fantastic salmon platter. Go over there and inflate yourself. I mean, enjoy. Enjoy <laughs> yourself. That's what I meant to say. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Mr. Tintap uh, Binbo, we, we have the executive platter up in my office where we will all be uh, listening to this fine show. Uh, and this is the uh, last gentleman here, uh, Fraser. This is uh, Gat Earth Crusher, and you see before you a large orc in a tuxedo with the sleeves missing, in, and he's also wearing a top hat. Gat, it's an absolute <laughs> pleasure, fellow. To it, it's a wonderful thing to uh, meet a uh, an intelligent orc. Yes, it is great to listen to show. Who is sexy lady back there? She works on show too. Yes. Uh, you are looking at... He's, like, turns over his shoulder and squints. Are you referring to Roz? Yes, she is... Would be elegant diamond in our community. I wish to talk to her. <laughs> Roz is blowing kisses behind and, like, showing off her bust line. <laughs> <laughs> Roz, like, hurries over because she sees Fraser bumbling over all his words. Um... Hello. I've never met an orc before. Yes, I am Gat Earthcrusher. I should like to introduce you to myself over a nice steak dinner after show. Oh, that sounds wonderful. I can't wait to impress you with our show. Please, impress me with quality of show first. Then I can take you back. We can't wait. We've been working on it. Oh, yes. A woman like you should take little to no work to make a show with this weird-looking host. Good. I beg your pardon. Just by looking at your assets, I can tell. Show will be great. We can't wait for you to hear it. Try not to remember how weird-looking Fraser's head is. <laughs> I cannot get image out of mind. <laughs> Most people have full head of hair in my community. It's very weird. Well, I have a full head of brains, so that's where all of my things go, and uh, finding hats to fit it are, is just one of the many uh, challenges uh, being a uh, radio psychologist. Roz is struggling to concentrate as she's staring at this orc's ripped arms uh, on his ripped-off tuxedo. He sees this and gives her several flexes as he <laughs> positions himself to get back onto the elevator. Fraser, like, refrains from rolling his eyes. <laughs> she's, like, holding her hands back from... From touching her. Bulldog Bulldog is bright red and just like you can see that part of his tongue <laughs> sticking out of his mouth. He is biting the shit out of his tongue because he knows this is a good deal. He doesn't want to ruin. Mr. Bone Crusher, it's an absolute pleasure. Uh, the elevator is yours. And with that, he scoots over to Bull Bulldog. Bulldog, do not mess this up. Down, Bulldog, down. Allow Roz to use her... Oh, yeah, yeah, since the guy they couldn't even remember Longbeard's name. Come on. Hey, I got this. I got this. I got this. I, I swear I got this. I, I absolutely did remember Shank Whitebeard's name. That's exactly <laughs> what his name is, because that's what the name that he was born with. Listen, uh, if as far as... Uh, uh, as far as the other owners go, you have to make sure that you do a good job by Roz and let her work her charms on Mr. Bonecrusher, you know. As <laughs> oh, I know all about Roz's charms. Don't worry about me, buddy. I got this on lock. Well, I spend less time ogling her charms and more time uh, 
thinking about his and uh, all of his millions and millions of charms that he uses to direct the course of this radio station and to control who might actually be a presenter on the airwaves. Don't worry about me. I'm going to be like Ovechkin in 2008 when he won uh, 5-4 against the Canadians with four goals and assist. That's how good I'm going to be. Don't worry about me, okay, buddy? That was a great game. I'm sorry, I I, uh, stopped paying attention like two syllables in. Hey, Martin, you get it. If y'all have nothing left to say to uh, these fine studio heads, I will bring them up to my office so we can... uh, listen to the show. It starts in a, a few minutes, right, Frazier? Absolutely. Showtime is just in a few minutes. Plenty of time for you to get up to the uh, executive suite provided by our, one of our uh, ex- uh, executives, of course. <laughs> that's why they called it that. And that's why you, and you're going to absolutely adore tonight's show. It's going to be a fantastic example of the kind of professionalism you can come to expect here at KACL 780 South Degaria. Hey, Martin. Uh, it's it's actually Seattle there, buddy, but yeah. <laughs> Seattle is Kadagari, yep, yes. Not after syndication. I'm so sorry. I can't understand a word she says. With that, Big Willie takes everyone into the elevator and to the executive suite to begin to listen to the show. Roz blows a kiss to Bone Crusher. Coos Smasher. Uh, he catches that kiss and stuffs it into his pocket and saves it for later. He then gives you a, a single wink and finger gun, and as the elevator's door closes. Bulldog, like, snatches at the air in between the two of them after everybody's looking, just, like, imagining that he grabbed the kiss. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't think she's into that type of guy, do you? She's not into, like, muscly, attractive guys, right? <laughs> hey, Martin, I gotta... How did you end up with kids like Frazier and Niles? I don't get it. I honestly don't know. I think I sat too close to the television. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, there's two words for you, uh, Bulldog. It's called higher education. And with that, Roz, you know the show's about to start. You go into the control room, and you can see that the control board is lit up with calls. You have five calls holding on the line, and they are listed there in the chat for you. All right, so the show is about to begin. Frazier knows that during his show, he can take three commercial breaks. If he just wants to relax and get away from a call, or if there he needs to handle any problems that are occurring in the studio. What is happening now is Frazier has five calls on hold that Roz controls. Roz will queue up who she wants Frazier to talk to based on the brief descriptions Noel has provided about the callers that are calling in. So during this process, what you guys basically think is based on the quality of the show, what happens during the course of the show, right now it's at a 50% approval rating, you believe, by the heads of the radio station, kind of working similar to your reputation. Based on the actions and things that are done during the show, how well interviews go, how well you solve problems, that approval rating will go up or down based on that. So, you have these final moments to prepare for your show to begin. This is going to be great. <laughs> Are those different uh, uh, executives looking for different qualities? Like the elf might be looking for something more cerebral and uh, orc is looking for something a little more lowbrow? Or are they all looking for the same thing? Niles, why don't you let the professional handle this while the rest of you can <laughs> go off and uh, nibble your ritzes? They have ritzes? Nobody bothered to ask them anything, uh, except for 
you know, you just had the brief introductions. Uh, you can kind of assume that what their audience would like based on uh, kind of the descriptions of what's going on. So you know that orcs kind of like more lowbrow stuff. The gnomes and possibly the elves would tend to be in the more highbrow things. And the dwarves, you're guessing, they're like kind of in the middle. They have some higher echelon people in the dwarf community. Uh, but obviously they're looking to bring back quality. Um, something that's going to be better than what the current they currently have on their arcane airways. They're not above appreciating like a toilet flush soundboard kind of deal. They like car talk. They they know they know what the Fraser Crane show is, and that's what they're expecting. But they're expecting a quality quality show and performance from Fraser. And if he has any guests, or if he takes calls from select people, they just want to see what's kind of this is all about, and if it's going to generate money for them and be a big hit on their airways. Hmm. Bulldog's gonna give Frazier one last pep talk. Hey, uh, hey, Frazier, you gotta be like John Druce in the 1990s Capitals versus Rangers. You know, he was a fourth-line defensive specialist. No one expected anything of him. Just like no one expects anything out of you. But he won. He got the, the overtime winning goal against the Rangers, and that could be you. Go get him, cowboy. Your pep talks as down, Eddie, down. Always <laughs> are unforgettable. Bulldog. Thank you very much. Fraser, you see that there is 60 seconds left before the show starts. Fantastic. <sighs> Deep breath. Fraser, if I could just give you a couple words of advice, remember what the bard said to thine own self be true. Oh my god. <laughs> All right, very well. Uh, well, uh, might I remind you, Niles, keep, uh, keep in mind what the bulldog said, which is uh, keep it to yourself. The great bard, is he referring to Sorkin? T minus 30 seconds, Fraser. Leave Dr. Crane alone, he's prepared. He's probably not nervous, he's probably a little nervous. This is show will be make or break anything. You don't want to say anything that'll get into Dr. Crane's head. You know how nervous he gets before big moments. He doesn't perform well under pressure. <laughs> Remember last time you had a big radio show and what a disaster that was? His his brow is becoming, like, even sweatier. I gotta give you a pep talk, too. Listen, Frage. Don't screw this up. This is our last chance to get out of this hellhole of a city. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I've always professed to love fantasy Seattle. That was all an act. I like my lazy boy chair, and that's about it about this city. Dad, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You're Incidentally, welcome. if you really want out of this city so badly, here's an umbrella and the window's right over there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now get in there and kick some butt, Frage. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I will kick butt. Now you get out of here. Oh, I'll get out of here real quick. I can't run, though. Because a punk shot me <laughs> <laughs> under circumstances that I don't Dad, rightly recall right now. To, uh, to conjure up the imagery of you being shot by that punk is uh, legendary. Have you ever actually thought about eating the bullet before it actually uh, got to you, though? <laughs> oh, I wish I had, Frage. Hmm. I wish I had that foresight with my iron stomach. It's one of my abilities. <laughs> Frazier, you begin to hear the intro song to your radio program coming over the speakers outside the main studio. 
Fantastic. All right, everybody, just prepare to watch me work. Roz is like pushing everyone out of the studio and doing the hand countdown. We're on in five, Frazier. Thank you, Roz. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, try not to be distracted by, uh, you know, the enormous finger gun. Did you happen to see the size of that thing when uh, that uh, rock crusher decided to point at you? I mean, it must be enormous. That thing must be a good seven or eight inches thick. Stop trying to distract me, Fraser. I need to concentrate, too. <laughs> All right, don't worry. Okay, the last thing you need to worry about is, is being, you know, distracted by, you know, Gronk Backsmasher. You know, you want to listen to uh, listen to your gut and uh, do a great job. You're, you've got this. <laughs> All I have is you on my mind now, Fraser. so I can't be turned on, and I won't be. Do they realize they're on the air? This is the best introduction to the show I've ever seen. <laughs> you guys look up, and you guys have been on the air for the last <laughs> 10 seconds of that conversation. <laughs> and now you're giving dead air the... Uh, <laughs> uh, welcome to the Dr. Fraser Crane Show. We are here to uh, deliver the uh, psychological uh, answers to today's <laughs> modern problems. I'm your host, Dr. Fraser Crane. And uh, currently, I and we have a number of callers lined up to, uh, to ask us their heartfelt dilemmas, with which I will answer with Jungian precision. Uh, first, uh, uh, first caller, you're on the air with Dr. Fraser Crane. Roz, what caller do you patch through? Uh, Fraser, on line one, we have uh, Lourdes. Her adult daughter has returned home for a vacation with her boyfriend and doesn't want them sleeping in the same bed together. She is fighting with her daughter and ruining their relationship. You're on with Lourdes. Lourdes. Hello? Is, is this is this Fraser? This is Dr. Fraser Crane, yes. Right, I, I got a problem. I... I think I heard Roz saying it, but this, uh, what do I do? Uh, my daughter, she's home and they're going to be fornicating in the bedroom. I see. Uh, so your adult daughter is coming home for vacation with her boyfriend and you don't want them sleeping intimately together. Is that correct? Yeah, she's 45 years old and it is my house. It's my rules. Is she's forty-five years old? Is she a human? Yes, she's a human. What kind of questions that? We're here in Seattle. Most of well, us are if humans. She's forty-five years old. I beg your pardon, Lord is. But if she's forty-five years old and an elf, that means she's like barely out of puberty. But I do want to make sure that I'm addressing somebody. I don't want to assume anything before I uh, deliver upon you the uh, psychological gifts that are mine to bestow. <laughs> what I want to, I wanted to make sure. What you, uh, there's actually a very, very simple solution to this problem. Uh, you don't want them sleeping in the same bed. What if you, do you know any uh, giant muscly orcs in your vicinity? Uh, any neighbors, perhaps, or uh, somebody who works at the hardware store, bouncer at the local gentleman's club, perhaps? I mean, I saw one walking through town today. He was wearing a tuxedo and a top hat. He looked mighty impressive. Well, you that one might not be the one you want to ask, but I'm sure any compromising or, or enterprising uh, young orc will want to make a few copper pieces. And uh, as you might know, they are excellent when it comes to violent solutions to modern domestic problems. All you need to do is have one of them karate chop the bed in half. 
vertically, not horizontally, and not while they're in it. They can be sleeping in the same room, but simply not in the same bed, Flintstone style. Are you familiar with that? What are the Flintstones? Right. Well, they are a modern Stone Age family. We won't get into that really here. But the, uh, <laughs> the whole point is that if you're objecting to them sleeping in the same bed, there's no reason for them to be, uh, that they can't sleep in the same room, isn't it? Hold on, I gotta go. There's, there's noises coming from the bedroom. I gotta go. And she hangs up the phone on you, Fraser. Another satisfied customer. Well, I'm glad that I was able to uh, give young Loris there uh, an answer that uh, so desperately de- desired for their uh, for their dilemma. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to you know problems regarding intimacy in the family, just hire an orc to karate chop your bed. That's exactly what they teach in uh, the junior level classes at Princeton, where I received my expert level. Uh, education. And with that, he delivers like a little wiggle of his eyebrows over to Roz. Gives a big, gives her a big thumbs up. Roz, you um, still only have the four callers left displayed on your call screen. No one knew is called in. Great job, Fraser. Our next caller is Don, and he has impulse control issues. You're on with Don. Hey, Fraser. How, how's it going? Don? Yeah, how's it going there, Fraser? You're on the air with Dr. Frazier, correct? Dr. Frazier. Yeah, Dr. Frazier. Um, I've been having a lot of trouble losing weight. I've gained about uh, 80 pounds in the, the last two months. Uh, 80 pounds? Yeah, I'm staring at the, one of these meat counters right in front of me. You know, it's starting to become a problem for me. You know, it's not necessarily have happened. And it's a family. Roz, you hear him cutting in and out. You look down at your soundboard and you can see you're steadily losing the signal to the arcane telephone system that people are (gasps) calling in on. She starts freaking out. As you begin freaking out, you notice a gentleman... Fraser is gesturing to his cans on his ears, like flailing. You quickly launch the show into its first commercial break leaving you guys with two left, as a gentleman named Anthony, who you recognize as the radio station's handyman, comes in and begins working on the arcane phone system. All right, here. Uh, let's see what you got going on uh, down below here, Raz. Let's see what uh, the problem is uh, oh, dear God. with your arcane system. I'll tell you what is, is the problem is down below is the bulldog hasn't had a chance to hit that yet. Quiet down, Mr. Wisco. Down, Eddie. <laughs> is Bulldog, like, under the sound board? Dad, did you actually bring the dog into the control booth? <laughs> uh, Bulldog saw Anthony come in and kind of followed him in because he saw that there was problem and distress on your face. So everyone kind of knows the phones have gone down in, in this immediate studio area. You're not sure if it went upstairs to where department heads, or sorry, the radio station heads are with Big Willie Boone. Roz wants everyone to know she didn't do anything. Noel was the last one in here. Noel must have messed with something. Can Noel control the weather? I'm not sure what he did. Oh, dear. I, I don't think I did anything wrong, my lady. Uh, yeah, leave it up to Noel to not mess <laughs> anything up. I, you can't trust Noel's. You can't. The species of Noel in D&D, you can't trust them. <laughs> Bloody Noel. 
Hilarious as always. Yes, I am a Noel named Noel, but I did not uh, cause this problem. Why don't we listen to Anthony and we can try to figure out what's going on here. He's the expert, of course. Hey, Anthony, if you need a hand, I'm here. Oh, I'd save a scapegoat and you. Well, uh, sorry, his New York accent. I'm walking here. <laughs> well, the problem is... <laughs> sorry, I had to get in my New York accent. I apologize. I'm walking here. I wasn't even drinking milk, and I did a milk spit take. Hey, you, you guys need to stop your big bickering. I'm working here, huh? It, it seems the problem's here with, with the telephone lines, all right? I can hook it up temporarily so you guys can take calls from... I don't know if you guys want to forge some of the calls. Maybe some of, of the people out there can call in and, and talk about their problems. Uh, but I got to go downstairs <laughs> and fix the main telephone lines down in the basement. Uh... There's been a, some problem with some rats, though. I think they might be chewing through the lines. If I could get uh, maybe one or two of you uh, to, to help me out. Hey, Anthony, it's good to see a real man in here and someone who knows how to fix stuff. Uh, anything you got, anything the bulldog can do to help you, I'm here for you. Well, you can either choose to stay up here and help Fraser out, uh, or you can come downstairs and uh, and help me out. Well, you know, I don't know how to help Fraser. He, he's a lost cause, but I got you, buddy. I got your back. <laughs> Roz has to stay up here with me. Well, I'll go downstairs while you all we all figure out. Just just come down and help me in a few seconds before this commercial breaks over. All right, let you guys discuss it. Roz doesn't know any anything about things being chewed on downstairs, so we're, she has to stay here. As Anthony takes off down the stairs and and heads to the basement and. Hey, Martin, you want to grab Eddie and uh, come on down here? I, I think the th the three of us with Eddie we could take care of these rats no time. You know, I'd like to, but I'm currently making a phone call into this station. Daphne, you're a real man. Come on over here. You got balls. I think Daphne's talents would be better spent upstairs. I, I would. I, I am more than adept at killing rats as well as working with my hands. But I did have a question for Dr. Crane, so I could go either way. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I would like to ask a question of Dr. Crane. I would more than happy. I used to uh, do a little bit of acting in Cumberland myself, so I wouldn't mind playing a, a different character. I think that's an excellent idea. Daphne, you stay up here. That'll be perfect with the uh, standard plebeian uh, caller that uh, we're used to taking here at, uh, at KACL <laughs> Sastigaria. After I'm done with my call, I'd be more than happy to go down there and help you kill some rats like I did back in the old country. No, I actually think that Niles should should do it. Hey, He's hey not Martin, well, how, about, how about you lend us, Eddie? Uh, the yeah. Bulldog and Eddie will help Anthony. It'll be fine. We got this. Go with them, Eddie. Go. You know, he only listens to Martin. Kill, Eddie. Kill. Eddie's simply <laughs> going to be a nuisance down there. He just attacks Bulldog. <laughs> they tumble down the stairs. Eddie, one thing. One thing, Eddie. If you happen to see that punk that shot me when you're down there, I want you to take him out this time, Eddie. Don't wait for me. That's the spirit, Eddie. <laughs> him and Bulldog are uh, fighting over a chew toy. <laughs> Behave, you two. We got. The, we're building a, a rapport here, okay? <laughs> Let us do our thing. I want this to end with them having a uh, spaghetti dinner together that ends in an accidental kiss. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Niles, I think we got where everybody's at except you. Did you make a decision? I would assume you're staying upstairs with Daphne. I'll stay up here and help Fraser with any intellectual problems he might have. All right. With that, we see Bulldog and Eddie begin heading down the stairs and taking off after Anthony. Uh, we'll stay up here in the studios to see what else happens and how Fraser handles this, begins to handle this problem. I really appreciate your being here, Niles. Thank you very much. No problem, Fraser. Plus, if uh, the rumors are true, you're kind of useless downstairs anyway. Well, there's rats. That's not what I was talking about, Niles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was a devil on tongue through there, wasn't it? Bulldog <laughs> yells up, yeah, there's definitely no euphemism at all. <laughs> They're so mean to each other It's only if the rumors are true And I'm sure they are Maris has been telling stories again Don't worry Mr. Cry, not everybody likes a big penis Fraser, you look up and see That there is 30 seconds left until this Commercial break ends Um, Can Daphne or myself Be patched in as a phony call Uh, Yes, whoever You you guys have a phony phone and you guys probably need to talk And figure out what you guys are going to do Yeah you have 30 seconds left. Are they in the studio with Frazier, like at the mic? No, so they are, if, if, if Frazier chooses to have guests, he can have a guest come in, like a another psychologist or someone who can help answer questions, perhaps from a common folk perspective. He can have guests come in, or but he needs, it's a call on radio show, so he does need people to call in until the, the phone lines are fixed. I'll be happy to call in, but Niles, you told me in private how jealous you were of your brother's radio show. <laughs> this is your chance to show how good you could be on the air. Think of it, the Crane Brothers. Oh, uh, Daphne, that was that was surely a jest. Yeah, I mean, you certainly were tipsy and crying in my arms a bit, but <laughs> no, you seemed you, I didn't hear a punchline. Oh, that was just a delightful bit I was doing, Daphne. Oh, so you don't want to go on the air with your brother and be heard by all the upper crust of Seattle for how the genius you are? Is there a second microphone I can use? Get in there, Niles. <laughs> yes, yeah, Niles, you really should stop living through me and become a unique individual. <laughs> it's part of individuation, which is a... Am I, uh, I going to be a guest host or pretend to be a caller here? It's up to you and what you guys decide to do. The, you guys still have about 30 seconds until the show starts. I think Daphne and Martin have decided that they are going to call in so it's up to you on if you want to wait in line to call or if you want to go inside there but discuss it with your Fraser why don't I pretend to be a common yokel and lob you some softball psychological questions that you can knock out of the park that sounds like a perfect idea you will have no trouble pulling off the, the uh, a, a yokel uh, impression remember to get into character Niles that's a brilliant idea brilliant idea Roz starts rushing everyone out and asking who who who's gonna call in first who's gonna be the face first fake call in. I'd like to have me question. I don't have the attention span to wait past other calls. Okay, perfect. Daphne will be first. You guys are back on the air. You hear the intro music coming back in with one second left, and you're back live. Special thanks to our sponsor, the Rocky Talkie 12. Even talkier and rockier than ever before. I'm your host, Dr. Fraser Crane. Uh, you're listening to KACL 780 Sastagaria, modern Jungian solutions to the living problems that we have here in the modern world. Uh, next up, we have uh, Caller. You're on the air with Dr. Fraser Gray. And with that, he starts waving his hands frantically over to Ross. All right, Fraser. Um, our first caller after the break is Maphne Dune <laughs> from Tacoma. <laughs> <laughs> She's having 
some problem. <laughs> Mathney Do. What's so bloody funny? All right then, uh, Mathney. I'm uh, I'm here to help in whatever way I can. Go ahead, Mathney. Well, hello. It is I, Mathney Dune, not from Britain. <laughs> just a regular Duke's Court accent. <laughs> and I have no prior relationship <laughs> with you or any of your family. Let's cut to the chase, Mathney. Ever since I moved from North Britain not that long ago, I found life here in Duke's Court to be a little lonely. I've tried dating, but with minimal success. There just doesn't seem to be the perfect man out there. I like a man of average height, of slight build. I like him to be very educated, preferably blonde with a fine British name. I would love it if he could play the piano and knew how to fence. And if he was an educated man, perhaps helped people with their problems like a doctor, perhaps psychologist or something like that. But there just doesn't seem to be anything out there. What do you think I should do, Dr. Crane? <laughs> uh, Roz could probably hit the cough button for that one. <laughs> it's a fart button from uh, Bulldog Show. His his, for, his gigantic forehead just starts sloping down there and down until it rests on the control board. And then he snaps back up as soon as Daphne uh, finishes talking. Niles is hyperventilating right now and sweating profusely. Well, I think I could spend the rest of my life if I were to meet a man like that tomorrow. Well, Mathney. <laughs> Niles faints briefly. A thud is heard over the microphones. What was that? Sorry, there seemed to be a small uh, sound from inside the studio. Undoubtedly, it was the sound of my jaw dropping when I heard the incredibly uh, articulate way you put your question, Mathney. What I think you're trying to describe is in Jungian psychological terms is dream interpretation. You've got a vision that you are trying to coalesce out of your thoughts and desires. And uh, currently, um, what you really are looking for is something, um, if you were to actually attain this vision, you would be, well, with that, he looks over at the booth and, you know, tries to make uh, eye contact with Daphne and, like, gives Roz sort of like a, a pleading look. Well, if you hit the bullseye, you might actually realize that it's more complex a solution than you might want. Uh, you are thinking about, you know, attaining this perfect man. And he does sound absolutely, he sounds like an Adonis. Uh, hair like rippling curtains. Um that are, you know, just just shy from covering his pate, the fashion sense of a young Sinatra. I think, um, and of course, uh, a sommelier in all sorts of uh, uh, amazing things, uh, wine, cheese, etc., uh, fine Shakespearean poetry. But what you really might want is something a little bit closer to the bullseye than the bullseye itself. Uh, you are looking for a condition of happiness rather than happiness itself. You might be, prefer, perhaps this, uh, this uh, you know, perfect man, this Adonis, as it were, uh, might have a brother or uh, somebody who's perhaps 
not nearly as good looking or smart or intelligent or uh, or uh, sophisticated, <laughs> but perhaps he uh, you know might have all the criteria to to sate your collective unconscious. Because if you were actually to achieve perfection, you would probably die from happiness, and that's something that nobody else wants. So what you need to do is shoot for the moon, and occasionally you will hit Hackensack, New Jersey. And that is exactly what you're going for here. You don't want perfection. You want perfection's uh, stupid brother. I'd like to retcon that when Niles passed out, I'm on the phone in the studio, I break character and say, Dr. Crane! (laughs) (laughs) I mean... (laughs) So what you're saying, Dr. Crane, is that your brother Niles... I mean, uh, who's Niles? I don't know a Niles. I certainly don't. But I see your point. Maybe I'm looking in the wrong place. Maybe I should stop trying to find one Mr. Wright, and maybe I should start bringing more men over to my place, which is not the same residence I share with you. (laughs) Right. And maybe I just need to date outside of my type. Maybe that type is not perfect, and I should just abandon looking for that type of man. I see what you're saying, Dr. Crane. Thank you. You are absolutely welcome. Remember, confession can help relieve emotional burdens. Burdens? Burdens? All right. See you at home. Bye, Dr. Crane. Uh, thank you. You're very welcome. Matthew. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I beg your pardon. I have no idea who that was, but they sounded like a completely normal uh, and uh, <laughs> dom- and uh, domestic member of society who did not at all immigrate here less than three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Great job, Fraser. I think you really helped out Maphne a lot. Roz, now is not the time for ribald tomfoolery. In- instead, concentrate on the next caller because I am about ready to... I, I think I might have a fever because of all the sweating I'm doing here. <laughs> As that call ends, we'll go down to Bulldog and Eddie who are running down the stairs. As you begin getting towards the basement, you hear a blood-curdling scream from a man inside the, the main basement access point for all the electrical and arcane components inside the building. The whole way down the ladder, Eddie and Bulldog are going back and forth. (laughs) Just getting hyped up. I'm fucking dying here. Get down here and help me, you son of a bitch. (laughs) Whoa, whoa, hey. But hold on, bub. I'm coming down the ladder, carrying a dog, just to save your ass. We're just getting ourselves hyped up along the way. Excuse us for multitasking. Just stop fucking barking and, and come in here and help me out. But anyways, what do we got going on here, Anthony? What are we looking at? As you walk in, you see Anthony's legs are being chewed by several large abyssal-looking rats. They have large spikes on their back, and they are gnawing at both of Anthony's legs. There are two rats there, giant in size, gnawing on his legs. I'm freaking dying here, huh? Come on, give me a hand. I can't do nothing. Anthony, have no fear. Eddie and the Bulldog are here. At this point, Bulldog puts Eddie down on the ground. In doing so, locks eyes with the beast. In doing so, they exchange a primal sort of knowledge, and they know just what to do. Having shared this primitive understanding, Eddie growls while circling around to the right, distracting the rats while Bulldog sneaks over to the left, effectively flanking these 
ugly, big-ass rats gnawing on Anthony's legs. They're distracted <laughs> attempting to murder and eat Anthony, so go ahead and pick which attack you're going to do and let me know which one it is. Alrighty. This being my first combat, I'm not sure exactly how this works. Let me see. Okay. I see an attack I want uh, Bulldog to do, but I'm not sure what Eddie can do. Eddie attacks for 1d10 damage if you tell him to attack. You two have built a special bond barking at each other, so he will listen to your commands outside of Martin being there. Okay, well, I guess there's no mechanic for it, but I think Eddie's still just going to keep distracting the rats while Bulldog is going to use his headbutt attack. And that's, I roll 44 and take the highest two, and also it has a knockback effect. Okay, I assume you're lining up the two rats so you're knocking them both away at the same time as Eddie distracts them? Oh, absolutely. All right, you swoop around to the left as Eddie runs up and starts barking on top of Anthony's chest. I'm freaking dying here, now I got a dog's asshole in my face. <laughs> as you run forward and headbutt... Oh, I'm dying here. You headbutt the <laughs> rat on his left leg into the rat on his right leg. Go ahead and roll me 4d10 and keep the highest two for damage. Uh, so the seven and the six are the highest damage. You got 13 points of damage. You can see both the rats take this damage from slamming into the wall. They're looking very weak at this point, but they're going to come at both you and Eddie for their attack. They run forward and lunge at you, biting into your leg, dealing six points of damage, and the other one's going to bite into Eddie, dealing eight points of damage. Eddie's a little tiny dog and doesn't have that many hit points. You feel like if it was equated into hit points, he might have two left, and he's very much on death's door. Uh, but you have taken six points of damage. Do I have a psychic connection to what Eddie? You hear a whimper in your mind, Martin, as oh. Eddie has taken this damage. Oh. There's a disturbance in the force. Run, Eddie, run! I can't run, and I know you don't like to, but do it now, Eddie! Run! Uh, for Anthony's turn, he's going to attempt to patch up his legs. I can't believe I'm freaking dying down here with some dumbass rats and two dogs. Like, just my fucking <laughs> luck. Uh, and he's going to patch himself up so he doesn't die. And we are back to Bulldog and Eddie's turn. Uh, remind me again, how much damage did we do to the rats? 13 damage to each. They are looking pretty fucked up. Eddie! Look at these guys. These rats are real beat up. We got this. Are you with me, Eddie? I think we can take them. You and me, Eddie, with our powers combined, we can end these ugly rat bastards. What do you do? You only have your headbutt once per encounter, so you have uh, some other abilities you can do. Alrighty. Uh, oh, here's something. I'm going to try to hit them both. I'm going to use uh, my gong attack. Yeah, this looks fun. So Bulldog Briscoe pulls out this tiny little dong. Uh, oops. <laughs> <laughs> he pulls out a tiny dong. Uh, go ahead. I'll do a retake on that. No, please don't. <laughs> Roz somewhere just laughs. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> please keep, keep it right there. Just Does he now? So he takes out his gong and he rings it. Go ahead and roll me 
2d10, and we'll see what the damage is. I'm sure Freud would have something to say about that last slip-up. <laughs> I've heard that there are pumps that can help with such problems, Mr. Bulldog. Uh-oh. I, I didn't see that. Apparently, I roll 2d10, and the high dice goes to the rats, and the low dice goes to everyone else. Yep, so... As you ring this gong, both rats fall over dead, but unfortunately, so does Anthony, and so does Eddie. Oh, wait, crap. Okay, so yeah, the high dice was eight, and that goes to the rats, and then the low dice was really high still, and was six damage, which does what now again? The six damage uh, kills Eddie, since he was at two health points. knocks them out. It just knocks them out, right? Knocks them out? Sorry, it knocks it knocks him. Yes, he's unconscious making death saving throws, let's oh, say. Oh, God. Okay. And Anthony is just a general person, uh, so he also it gets knocked unconscious from your gong. Well, let's be honest. Uh, the dog, Eddie, is far more important than the human, Anthony. I mean, especially after how ungrateful Anthony was being. I agree. That's a decision that Bulldog will have to make, yes. But let's go back. And we fade out of the barking and we head back upstairs (laughs) to the radio show. I did set up earlier that after my call, I would uh, be happy to go downstairs. Can I lackadaisically on my turn uh, make my way downstairs? Yes, you will uh, arrive downstairs to the massacre after this next call or whatever happens with the radio show. Sounds good. Hold on, Martin. I know it's always something wrong with Eddie. He needs to go to the bathroom. I'll go check on him. I promised I'd go help kill some rats anyway. Thank you, Maphne. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you lock me acting. <laughs> Flawless. Best actress in Cumberland. <laughs> so Frazier's finishing up his dialogue in between the radio calls. What's happening on the radio show next? Can I call in now or? Yes, Roz, if you want to handle that. All right, Frazier, our next caller is... Harton in these streets. All right, our next caller is is Harton. Did you say Harton? Seahawks versus Broncos in 88. Largent caused Harton to fumble with a clean retaliatory hit. That hit was legendary. That bastard deserved it. <laughs> Bulldog, Bulldog, says this, Bulldog says this to himself as he's fighting the creatures downstairs through the speaker got- system that blasts throughout the entire place. But Bulldog is talking to himself, talking about... That's it, rats. I'm going to hit you the way Largent hit Harden in 88. <laughs> you see, Harden was also a rat. He had made an illegal hit earlier in the game, and he got his just rewards, just like I am okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Mr. Harden. You're on the air. You're on the air with Dr. Fraser Crane. Ah, oh, hi, son. I mean, Doc, I... I am. I got some problems. Ah, oh, boy. I should say so. Oh. I mean, what can I do? What can I help you with? Doc, have you ever treated PTSD? I have treated PTSD. Yes, I have. Uh, the, uh, well, uh, normal. What happened there, Doc? You had a little aneurysm or something. I, well, uh,. <clears throat> It's just, uh, I, I sense from your <clears throat> gravelly 
tone and uh, sense of authority that uh, you know you're uh, you're something of a father figure to those around you. And I'm just a little nervous about uh, uh, doing a uh, wanting to make sure that I do my very very best in uh, analyzing and pro- uh, providing the the proper salve to your psychological problem. Uh, <clears throat> With that, he takes a quick break and uh, reaches behind him, grabs his uh, his sweat-soaked mullet, and just wrings it out like a towel, and then kind of just tucks it back in behind his blazer. Well, so uh, PTSD. Well, it's uh, there are many different uh, therapies one could uh, apply here. Uh, are you? I, I'm I'm assuming that you underwent some sort of physical trauma. It was 1974. <laughs> I was in 7 uh, Eleven trying to buy a crawler for my late shift. Right. It's all coming back to me now. <laughs> I came down aisle three. There's only four aisles in the 7 Eleven. And this punk was reaching for what I thought was a Kit Kat. But it wasn't a Kit Kat, it was a gun. And that punk tried to rob the store. I tried to take that punk down and he shot me. Right in my leg or hip or knee. <laughs> one of those areas. <laughs> and now I limp, Doc. And I have nightmares about that punk. Because I only shot him six times. <laughs> and I I dream that I had more bullets. I see. Can you help me, Doc? Well, oh, it's cathartic. Uh, I rarely mention it. <laughs> there are two things that I could subscribe here. Uh, prescribe, rather. One uh, is to purchase a firearm that has more bullets in it for next time. Uh, you prescribe uh, those? Well, it's a, uh, it's a, well, this is a, I'm a Sostigarian psychologist, so I absolutely can. Uh, subscribe the little so over the counter the pills. Yeah, just ask for those. Well, I would, but my roommate says I can't bring home any more guns. Are you saying that he's allowing me to bring home more guns now? <laughs> but uh, I do want to. I feel like <clears throat> it, it at this point, like Fraser's, like got a uh, just this uh, deer in headlights look. He can't believe he's actually trying to analyze and help his father. Uh, he's like, <laughs> I'm. So you're saying increase my fire? Well, I'm just. Is that uh, what you're telling well, me? Um, <clears throat> I'm sensing some unconscious hostility towards people that are shooting at you. Uh, have you ever known anyone with a connection uh, beside yourself to people who have gotten shot on the job before? Oh, have I? Have I, Frage? I mean, Doc. Oh. How much time you got? We've got exactly three and a half minutes. Is this segment last three minutes? Okay. Well, so many of us were shot on the job that day in that 7-Eleven. And I'm sensing some (laughs) unconscious hostility towards the people that shot you. Friendly fire from him shooting rounds. (laughs) It's pretty conscious, actually. It's a are you uh, sure? Because it sounds like you are trying to express some forbidden uh, desire to uh, make peace with the people that uh, the individual, in this case, that shot you and then you uh, you killed him. 
Uh, is would I? I think what you should do is a uh, uh, as the. Uh, Are you saying I should forgive the punk, the <laughs> punk that shot me? Well, what I'm saying is that you should learn to. He takes a deep breath. I think you should learn to love the punk. I feel like you should take it into your heart that you have that you have your PTSD is actually psychosomatic that your trauma is because your heart feels that loving the person who shot you is forbidden and that the persona the mask you that you show the world which is gruff and manly and wears probably smelly flannel all the time and uh n- I do love flannel. Never leaves the, the chair <laughs> and uh, probably walks around with some sort of uh, tennis ball equipped walking device. Are you psychic? You're amazing, I Doug. am psychic, yes. I believe that what you need to do is uh, envision a uh, scenario in which you embrace this young punk, as it were, and bestow upon them the sweetest and tenderest of kisses, and perhaps even <laughs> give them uh, the, the sweet, sweet um, uh, tongue of forgiveness. I think you need to uh, give them a deep soul kiss that gives you psychological closure and uh and closes the book on this forbidden desire of yours, uh, allowing you to drop the mask and uh, become the uh, the wise, feminine, uh, and uh, enlightened individual <laughs> that we all know you can be, Mr. Uh, Carton. Carton, I'm more confused than before, I call. Well, it can be confusing. Roz, it's it's at this time that you are looking at your control panel and see it is lighting up some more. Uh, you can see that the actual signal strength of the arcane airwaves is going down. You know that the source of this power is up on the roof of the building. Does Roz start <laughs> start trying to like signal to um, Fraser to like wrap this call up so that we can go to commercial? Yes, you uh, can. Fraser is nodding so fast his face has become a blur. I I, uh, I imagine Martin acting much more homophobically too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> to to this suggestion, <laughs> you have to be the worst psychiatrist. <laughs> you know this is crazy. So you want me to wear my kilt? I don't get it. It was my fault for calling in and asking advice on PTSD from a kid who was afraid to go on a roller coaster. Huh? Remember, I was 12 years old and it was called the Teddy Twister. (laughs) I never want to talk about this ever again. Next call. It's the best ride in Sastagaria. With that, Roz immediately dumps to commercial. Roz, the signal strength is now about like 2 or 3%. Uh, you can see that it is barely emitting from the radio station, maybe getting the closest couple blocks, but it's not covering its normal broadcast range. Oh, dear God. Mm-hmm. I mean, as long as it's getting up to the executive suite, I guess that's all that matters right now. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, Roz, is, are we... Is the signal any stronger now, or are we... What's going on? I'm sorry, I'm so flustered. 
No, Frage, it's getting worse. Uh, someone needs to go up to have the we, roof. Do we have any other tertiary cast members that we could send up to the roof? I can hobble up there. You guys see glass break from outside the window and then hear a female scream from up on the roof. Well, I sure would be attracted to any man who is brave enough to go up onto the roof and handle all that, I would. I say as I'm heading downstairs. Niles. I'll go anyway. We. <laughs> <laughs> Niles, was that enough to move you to get to, to go upstairs? You know what? I just had a great idea. Why don't I go to the roof and see what any the Any man who can look past his fear of heights Niles? and do with that. Your insight is positively inflammatory. Let's go together, boy. Uh, Niles and Martin both head up to the roof. They Once they get there, they can see that the elven uh, female, Eris Ravenhook, is being held by a large bulgura, which is a huge abyssal ape-like creature hanging from the arcane airwaves tower on top of the building. Most likely the cause of disruption. Quick quick clarifying question. Is the elevator working? Because if not, how long does it take Martin to get up the stairs? <laughs> There's an elevator. Martin takes the elevator and it actually leads up <laughs> I there. I take the elevator. Thanks a lot. So, Niles, you get up there first, obviously, and your dad is a minute or two behind you, but that's what you guys see in front of you. What do you guys do? Piggyback me, Niles. Oh, look, Dad, it, that elven woman has this completely under control. Let's go back downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so, son. It looks uh, looks like we got a problem here. Can I flash my badge? At the ape? Uh, yes. Yeah. That is entirely something that you can do. It's one of his abilities. Add 2K0 if target is a law-abider. Probably not a law-abider, but... Uh, you'd be surprised with some of these demons. I flash the badge and I say, Former police officer from Seattle's finest PD, Freeze! It's not D&D, but a lot of demons are lawful evil. Oh, my, my apologies, officer. I, uh, I just got a, a little bit of, you know, lust in my eye after seeing this, this fine female. And I had to climb the towers and profess my love at the highest point. I'm a law obeyer through and through. What do I need to do? <laughs> so he... <laughs> you know the all consent laws here. <laughs> he, he's professing his love to who now? Sorry. He has an elven female in his hands, and that's who he's professing his... Uh, love for and two, oh, okay. and you recognize it as one of the studio heads uh, that was supposed to be listening to the radio broadcast. Oh, okay. Aren't you uh, supposed to be listening to the broadcast? We got an antenna problem or something up here. It's not broadcasting. She's <laughs> female. <laughs> Why aren't you listening? I, I apologize. This this damn ape picked me up and took me up here. It's not something I wanted to have happen, sir. This is not consensual. No, please, get 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 me out of his hands. All right, you there. Uh, demon man, ape, you. Hands up where I can see him. Get him off the elf. Oh, uh, while, while I am a law abider, uh, that's, that's about where it stops. I got off the tower, like you said, but 
Uh, it seems like you can only use that ability once per encounter, so you'll have to figure out how to get her out of my hands another way. <laughs> Looks like you're out of your jurisdiction, Dad. <laughs> Niles, get in there. Make yourself useful. Uh, Niles pulls out his fencing foil and uh, gets in the on guard stance. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Niles, what do you do? Do you attack him? Do you try to slice off his hand? How are you getting this female out? Or what are you attacking the beast and trying to kill it? I'm going to give him a verbal warning first. I'm going to say, uh, uh, unhand him at once, you ruffian, and return to the lower depths where you came. That ought to do it. <laughs> My lust knows no bounds. She belongs and is going with me. Sorry, boys. Well, you asked for it. It's my other ability. Headshot. <laughs> so you line up your headshot as Niles. What are you doing? I'm just holding the sword menacingly, um, ready to strike at any moment if the headshot fails. All right. Martin, go ahead and fire your headshot. Okay, so I just roll a 1d10. You roll 3d10 and take the highest two. If you roll any ones or twos, they miss. 3d10. I rolled a 7, a 6, and a 4. For 13 points of damage. Oh. Yes, you shoot him right in the head. He throws this elven female. Looks like she's about to fall off the building. Niles, what do you do? I take the eight feet of rope out of my inventory and quickly tie a double Windsor knot around my waist and the other side to uh, a railing and leap off the building after the woman. Go ahead and make me a dexterity check. Probably should have looked at my dexterity before attempting You're going to roll a d10 and add one. Of course, because it's a double Windsor knot, you only have like two feet of rope left. You got a five total. That's exactly what you needed. You being quickly enough and hopefully, and good thing you tied the right kind of knot, because if you would have went for something other than a Windsor knot, that'd be something you don't normally tie. So you throw it quickly around one of the posts there, and you're able to swing and catch this elven female and save her life. You're now there with her in your arms as you swing back up to the roof of the building like a modern day superhero. And you have still have a Bulgura that's holding his face after being shot by your dad in front of you. It is the Bulgura's turn. Can we say canonically that it happens literally at like the last moment because Niles is like prepping his gear. He's like taking off his shoes and socks and setting them <laughs> nicely aside, making so, sure. So the Bulgura, <laughs> when he got shot in the face, had launched this female like 40 feet up in the air, giving you plenty of time to do everything you needed to do, tie your rope to like a tie and put it around something in order to make this heroic save. Removes his jacket, loosens his tie. He reties the double Windsor because it's not up to his standards. No, that's a sloppy double Windsor. No. <laughs> I'm better than this. Maybe he has to think about whether he do a double knot or single knot and, uh, before he actually decides ultimately on the double. If Fraser were to see this knot. Martin, since you smashed this Bulgara in the face with a couple of bullets, he's going to attempt to punch you in your wounded hip. Oh, crap. <laughs> uh, he does nine points of damage since uh, one critically fails. Oh. As you go <laughs> flying uh, across the roof and your back slams into an arcane AC vent and you fall to the ground. Oh, now I have a bad back, too. But you are up next. <laughs> go ahead and tell me what you're doing. I want to flash my badge again. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> man, I wish I had listened to that psychic brain doctor about getting a gun with more bullets, but I've got four left. And I shoot at uh, at this demon's head again. Uh, headshot's only once per encounter as well, so you're gonna have to if you just want to shoot your gun as normal. I throw my pistol! No. Um, you shoot your gun as normal, it just does less damage. 
Oh, that's fine. I'll do so that. So roll 3d10 and keep one. Okay, a three, a nine, and a five. A nine. This demon is looking pretty messed up. Niles, you are up next. You have this elven female in your hands. What are you doing? I'm going to summon baby Niles Pet Cockatoo. Very nice. Oh my god. Go ahead and roll me 3d10 for damage. Jesus. So you rolled a one as part of that, so BB turns on you doing one point of damage and starts <laughs> pecking you in the face as you're holding this woman. We will return to you, gentlemen, in a second on the Bulgora's <laughs> turn, but we, for now we will go downstairs. As Daphne, you come down seeing Bulldog crying over what looks like the lifeless body of Eddie and not really caring much about Anthony, but you can see Anthony is profusely bleeding from the legs, and both of them are almost missing. I'm using my limited medical ability. Do I think I have enough time to save both? Is one worse than the other? Can one make it? If Can I do a roll to triage? They're both unconscious, so depending on what skills you want to use, I mean, you can check on them and see if you think they're going to survive, but Anthony appears to be bleeding out from his legs, uh, that he was like midway through patching up before he got gonged to death, and Eddie is bit by a couple rats, and he is bleeding out as well. Martin would have my head for this, but I have to help the human. And I rush over to Anthony and I use my massage ability. We learn the secret art of life-saving massage in Cumberland as well. And I roll up my sleeves and I get to work on that back and I'm usually hitting my elbow. The trick is to work the sciatica and uh, I heal my target. Three oh, dice, one. keep one. Three K. You get a four, which brings him up to his maximum HP. You see the wounds in his legs immediately clear. Oh, great. Uh, I feel freaking fine. I'm going to go work on the arcane lines now and, and see if I can get the telephones up and running so we don't screw the show up for Frage. That would be grand. And I, I couldn't help but notice while massaging you that you have excellent and well-defined muscles, I must say. I just got some advice about being open to new experiences. Are you doing anything later? No, I'm freaking not. You want to you want you want to go out and uh, have a nice dinner after the show? I would. I think Niles and Fraser would be happy for me for dating outside of well, who I normally would date. Please take me, Mister Common Duke's Court Man. <laughs> uh, that sounds mighty fine to me. Let's do that. I can't wait to tell Niles. Uh, he heads <laughs> over to the arcane telephone lines and begins fixing those. Bulldog, you are crying over the unconscious body of Eddie. What do you do? Uh, uh, panic? No, um, yeah, looking at my skills, none of them, uh, help other people. <laughs> I'll bring them over to me so that on my turn I can heal them again. Well, I guess before I make a decision, I just want to clarify, are all the rats dead now? Are we safe that way? The rats are dead next to you. You don't see any additional. Um, you do know CPR, you would have to roll some kind of check to translate it, that translate that into dog CPR. Canine PR. Which would be your, your wisdom modifier if that tempts you at all. Well, Bulldog's wisdom is super high because it says wisdom, parentheses, low, three. That's like common, common knowledge. Well, yes, wisdom is like common everyday knowledge. Intelligence is like higher society knowledge. So that's why I'm saying you have, you have a plus three if you want to try some kind of CPR check on a dog. So then I roll 1d10. Uh, yes, you roll 1d10 and you add 3. Okay. I learned this betting on dogfights. This is how you bring back a loser. A 7. You rolled a 4 and plus 3. 
that is enough. You begin using two fingers and pumping on Eddie's chest while inhaling into his mouth. You are able to bring him back to life, and he starts licking the inside of your mouth as you go in for one of your breaths. Awesome. Okay, then during this, Bulldog is like, Hey, we're not losing one of my dog brothers. No way, no how. You're, stay, stay with me, Eddie. Come on. One, two, three. One, two, three. Oh, oh, a little bit of tongue, eh? All right, thank you. Hey, I should try that move on Roz. Hey, Martin, we got Eddie. We got Eddie back. Upstairs, I sense less of a disturbance in the force. Uh, you... There's like a really dramatic camera wipe. My back and hip hurts, but Eddie seems okay. <laughs> Anthony tells you both to head back upstairs, and he will have the phone lines up and running in no time. And you both head back upstairs and see Frazier still in the middle of his show. Pass me that dog. I'm going to massage him as we go up. Frazier, as you see them come back up, the phone lines are back in action. Uh, you still have Roz. You still have the three other callers still on the line. They are still holding for whatever reason. Or Frazier, you can talk about something and close out your show if needed. It's coming up on its time, depending on how you want to handle it. Well, I'm going to leave that up to Roz. As Roz knows, Fraser can go on indefinitely. Uh, Fraser, I think we have time for one more caller. Um, I'm gonna patch through Marco. Uh, he's a returning caller from a few weeks back. Oh, are you sure? Uh, are you sure, uh, producer Roz? We're not gonna be talking to anybody named Dawes Royal or anything like that. No, no, his <laughs> name's Marco. As you patch Marco through. Frazier, you remember this as the guy who you told a few weeks back that he needs to ditch his girlfriend. He's got better opportunities out there. But during the past few weeks, you realized that you then started dating his girlfriend, Rachel. Uh, hello, uh, Dr. Craney there. You're on the air with Dr. Frazier Craney. I call, it's Marco. I called a few weeks back. You told me to break up with my girlfriend. Said it'd be the best thing I ever did, but... Marco! I can't imagine my life without her, man. I, I see her everywhere I go, and, and the other day I was driving down the street and I saw her. She was with some pompous-looking asshole. He had long, wavy hair. It just it made me want to go out and buy a gun. And now I got this gun, and I'm... I'm debating on what I need to do. <laughs> what should I do, Dr. Crane? It was the classiest mullet I've ever seen. <laughs> well, the uh, I'm glad to hear you uh, are uh, in a state of uh, psychological well-being, obviously. Uh, you sound uh, incredibly... Uh, you, you sound healthy and happy. As you, you may have heard, listened to uh, me give the uh, to some advice to, to a previous caller... I think what you're really describing here is a situation in which you are, um, well, for one thing, uh, your girlfriend's name, let me think, it was Rachel? Rachel? Is that correct? Yeah, the beautiful and lovely yes. Rachel. Absolutely, she is beautiful, she is lovely. I mean, um, she was, is, sure. Here's the thing. What you need to do... You, you can hear the chamber of the gun, uh, his, his revolver, just kind of <laughs> spinning as he's playing with it in the background. <laughs> mm -hmm. go, go ahead, Doc. Sorry, uh, I was cleaning my, my gun here. I got some business to take care of later. I see. The business that you wish to take care of, could you be a little bit more specific? Exactly. I, I'm pretty sure I'm just going to make sure Rachel doesn't 
date this guy anymore. That's about as much uh-huh. as I can say legally to, uh, you know, take care of my business. Right. Okay. Well, this uh, took a bit of a turn. I think that what we really need to do is explain why you feel the need to express your love for this incredibly attractive sounding man through the use of such a uh, phallic object as a uh, revolver. Well, how do you suggest I do it? Well, uh, let me see here. Well, if I'm going to do this correctly, I'm going to have to uh, subscribe to the letter to uh, Sigmund Freud's prescription of neuropathology. What you need to do is that you, you sound like a, uh, a, a textbook case of someone suffering from hysteria. What you need to do is buy yourself a arcane stimulator. And you need to... This happened a lot during uh, Freud's time. Uh, if you read Studies of Hysteria, 1895, Freud proposed that many physical symptoms are often service manifestations of deeply repressed conflicts. What you need to do is get yourself a... what? It's a brand new invention. It's, a, it's an arcane device. It's called a fleshlight. <laughs> right, I'm listening. I've heard of those. Right, it's a topogra- it's a topographical model of the uh, which of, of exactly what you need to uh, use in order to overcome this hysteria of yours. So what you're describing is the, the, the your problem goes much deeper than simple jealousy over an incredibly attractive man who uh, may or may not be dating your ex girlfriend. What you need is uh, you, it's it's just the tip of the iceberg. What you you're you're dealing with the conscious self. What you really need is to deal with the unconscious. In other words, you need to get yourself one of these new uh, hysteria dealing devices, and just. Rub it out all the friggin' time until you can just get over <laughs> the fact that you are no longer with this uh, this woman, this dream woman, this uh, this magnificent goddess that uh, it sounds like uh, escaped you. So what you need to do, it, it otherwise you might be heading into the deepest depths of repression, and as you can tell, that sounds like a rather unhealthy area for you to start delving into. Well, you're you're a wise man, Doctor Crane. I'm gonna I'm gonna try that. You at least spot this guy another week or two. I'm gonna try this fleshlight thing, and I'll uh, I'll get back to you if it doesn't work. Well, you know, I just thought I'd give it a shot. I mean, I thought I would try and you know chamber the. I mean, what I really meant to do was uh, just I'm I'm just firing on all. I mean, what I really meant to do is just try and give you the help that you need as a poor, self-deluded uh, member of modern society. Give him the bullet points, Fred. That's what I meant to (laughs) say. Who said that? (laughs) With that, we will join back up to the roof as the Bulgura punches Niles directly in the face as he's holding this female for five points of damage. Martin, you are up as you watch your son get punched in the face. Don't be punching my sweet, delicate Niles. (laughs) He's a hemophiliac. Can that punch uh, possibly dislodge the parrot from my head? Or cockatoo? <laughs> you, you, the, you see Baby get extremely afraid and fly off into the distance. The demon yells at you, 
Give me back my lady now. I uh, I flash my badge again. No, I <laughs> shoot. I shoot him. I shoot the demon with bullet number four out of six, I believe. Right. Roll three d10 and keep the highest. Okay. I rolled a five, a one, and a ten. So a ten is a critical. Go ahead and roll me another d10 since you did a critical strike. One d10? Yeah, another d10 for the critical strike, yes. I rolled a two on that one. All right. Twelve points of damage. Niles, as you see your father unload his firearm into this beast, you can tell it's almost on death's door. What do you do? I turn to the elf woman and ask, uh, are you sure you don't want to just go with the ape? We haven't really asked her opinion on this yet. No, I, you, you asked me. I was being held against my will. Uh, I, I I would very much like to go with you and maybe syndicate your brother's show, if, if, if at all possible. Very well. Niles leaps into action with his uh, fencing foil and strikes at uh, the he's beast. He's attacking? Yeah. Go ahead and give me your attack or damage rolls. Roll 1d10 and... Nine. Nine points of damage. You look very heroic, holding a female in one arm and lunging out with your... Fencing foil, you stab it to Bulgora right through the heart as it falls down, face down in front of you, dead on the ground. My uh, my username was David Hyde Piercer of the Demon's Heart, and then that it just happened to happen in this episode, so that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> the arcane airwaves begin to generate back up and pulses out, and the signal has been restored. Uh, with that, you go back downstairs and you all join Frazier for the ending uh, wrap-up of his show. As the show ends, the radio station heads come down with Big Willie Boone to the studio and begin talking with you guys. Uh, one second, let me get my list of accents out. <laughs> oh, it's that adorable man. <laughs> Good news, Niles, I found a date. Roz is just searching for her big orc man. I am right here, my lady. What a fantastic show. I like when you tell guy to go jerk off instead of killing someone. Hilarious. <laughs> and that's what you can look forward to with our show. The dwarf comes up to Fraser and dresses him. I hadn't thought much about uh, PTSD until listening to your show. It's uh, something that's rampant with our dwarven community. It's something great that we should uh, look into, and I, you have my support for your show. Well, thank you. There's an outbreak of dwarves kissing their nemesis after this. <laughs> well, it's, uh, Freud was the founding father of psychoanalysis, and I feel that uh, as a... There's a rumor that he was a dwarf, and that uh, he... Uh, I think he would be happy to hear it. Uh, the, I'm glad to know that uh, your, my theory on uh, PTSD will uh, be affecting your, uh, your people for years to come. And I am especially glad that uh, it reflected well on our show. Completely orthodox, by the way. This was exactly how every show tends to go, with me suggesting uh, masturbation and uh, and uh, hom- and you know ho- homosexual encounters with uh, your nemeses. Uh, there's there's a slight problem I didn't like with with your show though. Uh, and what is that? A tip top, if I may call you that. <laughs> Ten tap Benbo approach you. Well, it's not very logical to chop a bed in half. I mean, they're built for a specific reason. They're going to fall down to the ground. You can see he's a gnome. He's thinking very logically. He's got food covering the front of his robes now from all the executive food that he was eating. I I, I find it highly improbable. Us us being a thinking race, we'll definitely not like this. 
and the elven female uh, steps forward as well, Eris. Yes, I, I thought that was highly unlogical as well. I do appreciate you all saving my life from the demons. Like, what's going on with that anyway? Uh, at your studio, I, I'm, I'm going to be split down the middle here. You'll have to convince us why you all should have the show. We're split down the middle about this show going nationwide in Sostagaria. Well, if uh, I'm sorry, the owner of this building clearly hasn't kept up with the exorcism bills. I feel like if we were to, uh, if, if Dr. Crane's show would be syndicated uh, by any one of you, I think you would look like fine business people and would certainly keep a building up to code and keep exercised of devils. As you say that, Daphne, the room falls away from everyone and pure blackness begins to surround the room. You are now looking at a couple of people as you hear a voice say in your guys' heads, You all are correct. The demons have not been exercised in this building. It's time for you to cleanse some of the inner demons that were inside of all the people here. If you do that, I'm sure they'll be convinced to syndicate Frasier's radio show. And as you all look forward, you'll see that Anthony is silhouetted in a soft red glow, as well as Big Willy Boone. Same with the orc, the gnome, the dwarf. Martin, for some reason, is lit in this light, and so is Eris Ravenhook, the elven female. It is up to you guys to choose who you want to fight. You have a couple questions that you can ask me before you make your choice on what kind of demon you will be fighting. Martin, you see emanating with a green glow as well, indicating there may be an internal demon in... Why the hell am I glowing? We'd have to give him to kiss a guy that shot him? Because <laughs> that might be fun. Not necessarily, but it's entirely possible that that's who his inner demon is. So, I'll kind of go through them. Uh, Anthony, you guys kind of can tell he wasn't, throughout your time working with him, wasn't the most... Uh, on the spot. Although he's on the spot today, it was kind of more to push the story forward, but he tends to be a little bit lazy. Big Willy Boone is a bit greedy, as he kind of expressed at the beginning of the shows. Uh, the Bulgura actually uh, came from the Orc, uh, and he is a bit lustful, as he kind of displayed with Roz and with that uh, elven female. The rats uh, you see came from the gnome. He's got little rats kind of running around his feet that were fought down in the basement. The dwarf, the symbol of his lion, the symbol of pride, begins to glow on his chest. Uh, Martin, you can kind of see a shadow behind you of the punk kid who shot you in the convenience store. And Eris Ravenhook, you see her eyes glow green with envy that she wants to, the Fraser show and no one else can have it. You have seven choices of the seven deadly sins that you can fight Ooh. to cleanse this studio. Feel free to weigh in anyway. It doesn't have to be Fraser that picks this, but uh, maybe a group decision. Which, uh, the dwarf exec is already on our side, so I think solve it, or fighting his demon would be redundant since we already kind of have him in our corner, is my two cents. I totally agree with you. I think that uh, exercising the demon from the guy that we kind of want him to stay the same would be exactly uh, moot. I feel like I have to fight this punk kid again. <laughs> I kind of want to fight my dad. <laughs> what would Freud say about that? Frasia, whatever you guys do, uh, I'm gonna go make out with the ghost of this punk. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen what he's wearing? So it sounds like we're going with the punk kid, or are we choosing Wrath, or are we choosing... 
You have seven choices, you have to choose one of them, which is basically sloth, greed, lust, gluttony, pride, wrath, or envy. Mine is wrath. Your, is yours is wrath, yes. You crave vengeance against this punk kid who shot you in a convenience store. That I already killed once. Yeah. <laughs> Roz might be offended that this uh, Bulgara demon was, um, this demon was a manifestation of the man she thought she was going to hook up with, and it went and tried to hook up with another lady. Yeah, she's a little jealous that she was not kidnapped, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> But then she's also glad she was in the studio because she's an independent working woman. So who don't need no man. She's really conflicted. We can do it the most D&D way ever and roll a dice to determine if you want. I'm on board for the punk kid. I'm on board with the punk kid, too. Dr. Crane, it's your father. That's more important than being syndicated. Exercising your father's demon. And well, I mean, you have to live with the man. Think of how uh, much better it'd be. I sure appreciate it. With that... Don't you have some kissing to do? <laughs> with that, Martin, the shadow behind your back begins to grow and grow, and you see a punk kid, typical skateboard kid with a gun and a skateboard in his hand, and he looks ready to fight and exact his wrath onto you. Sexy. That punk kid looks like he's been listening to rap music. Go ahead and roll initiative, everyone. Everyone roll a d10, and the highest person will go first. You know what? I already took down two giant rats all by myself. And do I get any thanks? No. Then I save Eddie's life. Still, no thanks. That's it. I'm done. Hey, Eddie, you want to get out of here with me? That's right. We've done enough for these ungrateful bastards. Bulldog is uh, still making out with Eddie, so you're not going to have Eddie for this fight, it seems. Go ahead and start there, Niles. You got a seven. You were first in initiative. Okay, shit. Let me see. This punk kid winds up his skateboard and is standing in front of you, ready to attack. Oh, thank goodness he doesn't have that gun anymore. I'm going to roll the dice on uh, baby, summoning baby again. It worked out well in the first episode. All right. Success. So he will do nine damage to this punk kid. You see baby go in and start attacking his eyes as he swats him away with the skateboard. Next up, we have Dr. Fraser Crane. As you guys look on, uh, Fraser seems to swell in uh, in mass. His uh, he his feet lift off of the blank void on which you are all standing. Uh, he grows two additional heads on either side of his main head, and uh, he has like you know psychic wings uh, emerging from his back. And you can you are all now witness once again to the power of psychic Fraser. The double mullet. Triple mullet. <laughs> Yeah, so like one one head has horns, another one has uh, has like a halo. It's uh, it's like the perfect uh, Freudian uh, id, super id, and or id, super ego, and ego. What is psych psychic Fraser doing on his attack? All right, so I have to give psychological insight for a successful hit, and I increase all my damage received uh, received by the demon by plus three. You've already psychoanalyzed this demon with your father. That's right. But analyze the kid who actually shot shot him in the hip. Go ahead. All three, uh, like his eyes turn completely white and crackling with electricity. He's like straight up like a three-headed magneto. Son, I get you. If I had been a punk kid with a gun and a skateboard when I first met my dad, I probably would want to shoot him too. But believe me when I say, woe, wrathful spirit. It's just not, it's not worth it anymore. So cease your inse incessant haunting of this poor, crippled police veteran 
whatever may be left of your spirit, whatever is uh, uh, anchoring you and fettering you to the mortal plane, uh, is simple death instinct, a set of destructive forces present in all human beings. It is direct, and when you direct it out to my father, it's expressed as aggression and violence, which is why he's constantly flashing his badge at people and sticking Eddie on people uh, and trying to eat people. Uh, the last thing you want to do is make my father even more violent than he already is. Uh, I believe that Eros, the power of love, is stronger than this uh, death instinct. So instead, try and, I don't know, make out with people instead. I want you to try and, uh, <laughs> you know, wrathful spirit, I want you to enable yourself to survive rather than self-destruct. So instead of haunting my father with your punk energy, instead, try and, like, I don't know, go down on him or something. I feel like try and uh, try and <laughs> make love make sweet sweet dead love to my father's ghost. The goal is to s- I'm going to stop you there. Go ahead and roll your damage before you <laughs> I don't think you're helping, Rage. <laughs> Clearly no one else here is a student of Freud. Quit giving him nightmares and give him nocturnal emissions. Roll 3d10, keep the highest. I'd rather have a nocturnal exorcism, to be honest with you. Um, All right, so that is three. (laughs) All right, so uh, I'm going to use... It's a pretty blue episode of Frasier. I roll three, I keep two. All right. Oh, and uh, and if there's any... Well, actually, is this just to hit? No, you automatically hit. Oh, okay, great. Uh, Then I will uh, add three to it. Alright, so 17, you'll roll a 9 and an 8, plus 3 or 20 points of so damage. 20. No! I will kill your father no matter what gay things you tell me to do with him! <laughs> <laughs> Have you tried killing him with gayness? Perhaps. That's what you're really saying here. I've heard killing somebody is the gayest thing you could do to them. Frey, stop with this advice. <laughs> Penetrate my dad I'm not into with it. your love. Must kill. Must kill. If Freud were here right now, he'd be calling your personality a little anal. Oh, we went there. <laughs> I'm not going to stop. Next up is Roz. <laughs> Roz, you are up. Okay. Um, Roz wanted to save this move for a more sexual encounter. <laughs> I think I helped with that, didn't I? <laughs> with an orc. But I'm gonna use the rhino that I acquired <laughs> last rhino gun. The most sexual of all firearms. Roz pulls out the rhino's blunderbust and begins channeling magic energy through it. She then slams the gun against her nose as she turns into a full-fledged rhino. Roz, you have the ability to charge as well as shoot your rhino gun. You can do two actions per round. Um, I will charge first. Go ahead and give me 2d10. You do 18 points of damage and he has to make a hard dexterity roll, which he will roll now. Uh, he critically succeeds. You do not knock him over. He, You slam him against the wall, but he stands on his feet, pushing your horn back uh, the barrel of the gun is right in front of his face, though. You have another action, Roz. The rhino charges you, but he's able to jump out of the way in time to not take the full force of the damage and be knocked to the ground. 
but he's kind of pinning you back, pushing back the horn, but the horn gun is directly in his face. You have another action should you choose to use it. Can I use the gun shoot? Uh, go ahead. Give me 3d10, keep one, the highest one. Another nine points of damage. This demon reels back. I will kill all of you, tired of your homosexual remarks and sending rhinos after me. Next up is Daphne. Tired of your homosexual remarks? Not very woke of you. Our fan base on this podcast won't be a fan. I'll tell you what I'm going to do to the likes of you and your intolerant self. I've been fixing the back and hip of the man you shot years ago. And I'm here to give all that pain back to you. <laughs> and I am going to use my ability. I love how uh, how Daphne just turned into, like, uh, the chiropractor version of the crow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Careful you aim that gun, Ross. A lot of bad things happening on set. Oh, God, no, that's um, not what I meant. I'm going to use my bone crack ability. Uh, and it says, uh, I crack the target's spine, dealing 3k2 damage and lowering their next roll by 1k1. So I'm going to go to town on this punk kid's back uh, using the dark side of physical therapy. Go ahead and roll the damage. Yeah. Reload. Yes, I 13, and then that's... I had to go to Nottingham to learn this part. You add an extra 3 damage from Fraser's roll, and Roz, you actually added a 3 damage to your roll as well from before. As you crack this demon's back... He is almost inverted as you slam your fist into his back as he bends backwards. If he were... Should have gotten into jiu-jitsu. He's like almost doing a, a crab walk now uh, backwards with his, <laughs> his back kind of pushed up as he's prone on the ground now. I ruined you like all people ruined meals. <laughs> and now I'll ruin the man that you work for. Dr. Crane? No, no, no. The other one. The one that, uh, that shot in the hip. That one. Oh, the one who wouldn't kiss you. Oh, yes. Yes, that one. <laughs> it is his turn. He is going to turn towards the person of his hatred, Martin, and he's going to attempt to shoot you in the hip again. Martin, give me a, a dexterity roll, something he knows you're not that great at. All right, do I roll 1d10? 1d10 and add your dexterity modifier. I rolled a natty one. And that is a critical fail. As you take as you take seven points of damage, you were shot in the same hip where this punk kid shot you before. Job security. And you <laughs> fall to the ground. He is then going going to raise his skateboard up. Oh, not <laughs> the same hip. He's going to raise his skateboard up and slam it into Roz's rhino head. Roz, you take... 16 points of damage as you're hit in the face but with a skateboard. This isn't one I had in mind for rough play. Uh, next up is Martin. Okay, so I'm laying down. I'm on the ground. I've been knocked down because of my repeated hip injury. Yeah, but you're able to push yourself up back on top of your cane and you're standing in front of this punk kid. I, uh, I address the punk kid. I say, listen. Listen, punk kid, I've been running from you my whole life, in my dreams, and when I wake up, and I can't run. I'll tell you what, I'm done running. I have an ability here, which says that I can eat or drink anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try to eat this 
punk kid. <laughs> God damn it. We're all vomiting. Uh, yeah. I'm going to internalize this problem. I'm going to accept it. And you, punk kid, have always been a part of me. And now I'm going to shit you out. <laughs> uh, give me just one second, please. <laughs> when you said you were going to eat the guy, I thought you were going to take that kiss to the next level. But this is far more ghastly. <laughs> Jesus. Maybe that's what I should have done. I should have tried to kiss him and then eat him, huh? Martin, you're eating his ass. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this, this is not sanitary. So f- first off, Mike Rosenthal, I want to blame you for this happening because you gave him ability that says he can eat or drink anything with no anything consequences. Anything without consequence. Yeah, there's no limits It's that, as, as such. So as you begin edging in on your cane, leaving a trail of blood behind you. Ah, my hip. You kind of <laughs> reach out. This this demon thinks you're coming in for a kiss. Maybe the words from Fraser actually had some weight on his mind. He goes in for the kiss as Love me, punk. As you unhinge your jaw and just swallow his head, <laughs> tilt him back almost like a snake, and swallow him whole. You forgot Marty's pot python. <laughs> <laughs> Martin, you have now unlocked your inner light. (laughs) Once per encounter, you can either use your inner light to heal party members for 3d10 worth of healing or damage every opponent on the battlefield. And we fade out of that. And you see that all the representatives from all the studio heads are looking at you all applauding. And they're all saying, what a great job you did. And... It's without a doubt that Frasier is going to get syndicated after seeing them exercise demons and knowing what they can do for their communities. And that is the end of this episode. <laughs> Ended in time for me date tonight. <laughs> Ended without Niles creaming in his pants. <laughs> I really appreciate the hand with this punk kid. That was... Uh, Great job, everybody. And I, we really appreciate the, the head with the plump kid that you gave him as well, uh, Dad. Appreciate that. You are disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the one with the tummy full of punk. The congratulatory dinner is served, and everyone rejoices for the evening. Uh, I think my dad's had enough. Thank you very much. I am full. <laughs> they do have an old chair inside of this office space, Martin, that fits your ass just right. Beautiful. I'm going to sit here and fart punk into this chair. <laughs> I love we're able to preserve the highbrow humor of the show. That's it. I think we preserved it perfectly. <laughs> and with Martin farting into his chair, that is where we will pick up next time on Hell Frasier. <laughs> is it me, Dad, or do your farts smell more wrathful than normal? all right everyone i'd like to thank everyone for joining me caleb cleveland playing dr frazier crane where can people find you you can find me on all your friendly neighborhood social medias as caleb is drawing Uh, it's twitter instagram tiktok even groobs playing niles crane where can people find you groobs bros at instagram damian mercado playing daphne moon where can people find you you can find me at awful D on Twitter. If you like this episode, go ahead and drop us a line. This was a fan favorite. We did our second Hell Frasier because of you guys. So uh, plan on doing more. Thanks for listening. Jesse Egan playing Martin. 
Crane, where can people find you? You can find me at Jesse Egan Comedy. I don't have to talk like this anymore. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can find me at Jesse Egan Comedy on all social media. Thanks for a great one, Joe. It was really fun. No problem. Lauren, Plain Roz, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Awful d d Twitter. Sure. Sounds great. If you want to reach out to Lauren, fun fact of the show, she is actually my fiance. She is not a comedian. She is just somebody who is a huge Frasier fan and somebody who wanted to jump into adventure after listening to me edit countless hours. By the time this episode comes out, Roz and Daphne will be married. As in my fantasy. Congratulations, both of you. Congratulations. My erotic Frasier fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been your dungeon master, Joe Camacho. You can find me on Twitter at HotCop69. Still plugging away on there, being the hottest cop at uh, the 69th rank. So, <laughs> 69th precinct. Yeah, 69th precinct. That's what it is. All right, everyone. We'll catch you all later. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this round of Hell, Hell Frasier. And we'll see you on the next one. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye. Later, nerds. Bye, everyone. Yeah.